Welcome to the first episode of the Three Amigos World Cup Fantasy Show. I'm your host, the Marple Curse, and alongside me, as always, is my amigos Mars and my amiga Kylie. Dale unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, but uh, we're going to keep up the keep up the quality of the show without him, and hopefully he'll be back shortly. Uh, we've all had a lovely break since the Premier League season ended a few weeks ago, and we're psyched for the World Cup to begin. Kylie. I know you'll be psyched, particularly psyched to see how Australia get on in it, even though I don't think you're particularly confident in how they'll progress in Group C. I feel like I could actually hear the laughter in your voice there when you said that, John. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not feeling hugely confident. I'm not going to lie. I keep looking at Group C and it kind of destroys my soul a little bit. Gone are the days, you know, the good days when we had really good players, 2006 springs to mind. And no, I don't think it's going to end positively for Australia, unfortunately. Um, in terms of dark horses, I don't know if we'd consider Uruguay a dark horse, but I think that they will do really well. I really fancy them. I think they have a great group to start. And another one that I particularly like is Peru. I know everyone says that South American teams don't tend to do that well in Europe, but I think that they could, could be sneaky. And my other pick is Senegal. I'm just excited that they're back. It's their second time here. They made it to the quarterfinals on their debut in 2002. And Mane, I love Mane. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. excellent. And Mar Marzi, I know um, Palestine, you dream of someday of Palestine being in it. But um, who are you going to be plugging for in this, um, in this World Cup? And have you got any kind of dark horses that you're keeping an eye on? Palestine will be beating Australia in the Asia Cup 2019. Remember this, <laughs> Kylie. Mm. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm determined to have a victory. I'm just hoping that the bad team that you're talking about will continue. But yeah, no, for me, actually, Kylie stole my uh, main dark horse that I've been quite impressed with watching them, Peru. I think, we'll, um, I think they will surprise people. Um, I think they could be the Costa Rica of this World Cup. I think Costa Rica are going to flop, personally. They've done it once, um, and I think, um, yeah, it might be just too much. I think yeah, I heard that they have exactly the same team. So you could say that's experience, or you could say that there's not many players coming through. Uh, as for Peru, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've watched them a couple of games, and I've been really impressed with the style of play and the way they play. And I think they could, you know, I'm not going to say that, I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I could see them getting to this to the next round, which is, which is probably a surprise for most people. Uh, the other team that I like closer to home is probably Serbia. I think they will do what people think Croatia are going to do and what Croatia did before. Um, quite impressed with them. Um, the, you know, Mitrovic is not a, a big name in the Premier League or didn't, hasn't done as well, done better with Fulham, but I think for his country, he's, he's on fire. And I think with those teams sometimes, those, those players really rally around each other and really play for their countries, which is something that sometimes maybe you ask me who I support. I have always supported England because I've always li lived in England for the last 23 years. So I, I kind of like, you know, uh, see myself uh, 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 within the English team, um, you know, an English fan. 
And sometimes we miss that. Sometimes you think maybe the egos are bigger than the than the team. Maybe now because there's younger players, they maybe they'll play for the for the shirt like like in the nineties and ninety six and um so yeah, I'm hoping they will do well but I'm not expecting much. Yeah, I think that's the main thing with the World Cup and whatever you like about it. I guess the quality of the football isn't always that fantastic, but it's um you have more the, the player teams are more than the sum of their parts, like and that's what you really see in World Cups is oftentimes it's teams with they might have one or two quality players, really top quality players, but um they 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 generally have to perform above their level and they also have to have a lot of players who are willing to kind of to do everything for the cause. And uh, that, and knowing that they've their their country fully behind them all the way, it's um it can be great. I know that's one of the problems I think with England in terms of, I think that a lot of times the players probably don't feel that they have the whole country behind them and they're pressed behind them all the time and they're kind of uh they're kind of worried worried about what the backlash is going to be like nearly before anything actually happens. But um yeah no hopefully England do well and um but um my personally I Croatia are as you mentioned there Croatia looking at their team I think they're always going to be a little bit of one of those teams we can look at and see great players and go, I wonder, will they do it? Um, and it's probably the kind of the last shot for this, um, for this Croatia team in terms of Modric, like being at the peak of his powers and stuff. But, um, it'll be interesting to see. Can't wait for it all now to kick off on Thursday. On with the next part of the show, which of course we're here for the fantasy football and, um, the World Cup fantasy football game. We are mainly concentrating on the official game, the FIFA game, although, of course, we're going to play across several different platforms. Um, Kylie, the FIFA game is obviously causing a few people a few issues with them, um, that it's a little bit clunky. But um, first of all, I guess the main part of any game is the rules and scoring. What big differences is there really between the rules and the scoring that we have in this and in the FPL game with which we're so familiar Right. So there's actually a number of changes and there's plenty that's still the same. But um, so firstly, I guess some of the changes are with the budget and the transfers. So I'll talk through those before moving on to some of the more complex ones. But essentially, you start off with 100 million, which is the same as FPL. But then that will actually increase to 105 million when you get to the knockout stages. So you start off, as usual, unlimited transfers with 100 million to set up your team of 15. And the bench functions the same way that it does in FPL. During the group stage, you need to look at it at, as three different rounds. So each game that a, a single team will play is part of one round. And so in that round, you have one free transfer going into the next, which is, again, what we're familiar with. However, when you get to the round of 16, you get unlimited transfers again to change your team. And at that stage, you have $105 million to spend. Now, importantly, price changes are something that have a significant impact on the FPL game. They are different in this game because during the group stages, there will be no price changes. However, when we get to this change before the round of 16, those prices will be modified to reflect performance in the group stage. So this is why that slightly increased budget is important and also because the number of teams that you can choose from is limited and we are expecting that some of those teams with cheap enablers will fall out, leaving us with more expensive players um, available. Uh, 
So you go from the round of 16 then and you have three free transfers going into the quarterfinals and then five free transfers going into the semis and finals. You can, of course, take a hit, which is the four points as usual. And there's also chips in this game. So you have a wild card, which you can use at any time. Uh, you have a bench boost, which is the same as FPL. There's no difference there. The different chip that we have is one called Maximum Captain. And so it is different to the Triple Captain. What this one does is you play it at the start of the round and it essentially means that whichever player in your team is the highest scoring will automatically be your captain. In terms of actual point scoring within the game, it's exactly the same except for two small differences to do with penalties. And that is that instead of getting an assist for earning a penalty, which is what tends to happen in FPL, you actually get two points for earning a penalty. So it's not treated as an assist. You also get a minus one for conceding a penalty. So that's a minor change. The really big change between the two actually comes with your bench substitutions and captaincy. This is where it becomes fairly complex, but it's also a really good opportunity for those who are really engaged with the game and are very strategic to get a leg up on other perhaps more casual players. So the way it works is if you look at your round, say we're looking at round one in the group stage, essentially what you need to do is break up that round into the number of game days that are played. So for example, in round one, we start on Thursday with Russia and Saudi Arabia. That's one game day. Friday and any matches in there will be another game day and so on and so forth. So round one stretches from Thursday through to the following Tuesday. It's important to remember Tuesday also signifies the start of round two. So that's something that everyone should be conscious of. And now using this example... If I had a player who was in the Russian team, for example, I would be inclined to A, regardless of whether they were my cheapest player and someone I would normally bench, I would start that player and I might even be inclined to captain him because what happens is with each new game day, at the start before kickoff, you have the opportunity to change your captain as long as you are changing it to someone who hasn't played. Likewise, you can change someone who is in your team to someone on your bench and substitute them if that person hasn't played. So to give an example of how this might work, I've chosen a player from the Russian team. He's in my team and I've captained him. Now, he might only be a 5 million player who is bench fodder, who I'm not planning on getting any actual points from. But I've thrown him in there as a punt because why not? I can take the risk. He plays and he doesn't do anything for me. That's okay because the next day on Friday, I'm having a look at my team and I have Cavani from Uruguay. Now, he is a great captaincy shout. So I can change my captain to Cavani for the next day. And what will happen is any points that I've gained as a captaincy from my original captain 
will go back down. So it will be like he was just a normal player in my team. And the captaincy will sit on Cavani. Now, if Cavani scores a goal that day, I have the decision essentially whether I want to stick or twist. Do stick I want twist, to? That's what I was going to say, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Do I want to keep it on Cavani, or you know, I have Mbappe the next day. Do I want to put it on him? Now, if I do put it on Mbappe and Mbappe does nothing, I can't go back to Cavani because he's already played. That ship has sailed. So it's one of these things where you can, if you have a viable captain option for each day, you could conceivably move it along until you get to your last candidate. But you do take the risk of losing points that you could otherwise have gained as well. The theory behind the substitution is slightly similar. The key advice here, I guess, is that you would have of your squad of 15, make sure that the people in your team who play first are in the team and then you can swap them out if they do nothing. Or you can just take the approach of playing your best 11 and not changing it all if it's a bit complicated. But in a nutshell, that's the rules. Well, Connie, I have to say, Kylie, I feel like giving you a round of applause. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. I'm, 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 giving a, run of, I'm, I'm doing a standing ovation over here. Uh, <laughs> just, but just one thing, one thing that I that you didn't mention, and I might be wrong because I had a quick look and I remember from before. If your player that you captain gets sent off, you cannot change him. Is that right? So if you captain that Cavani, is correct. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's just something else. I don't think you mentioned that. And that note, you're right. And the same thing applies if it's a substitution. So if your player, any player gets sent off, whether he's your captain or otherwise, you cannot change the outcome there. You're stuck as is. But I think that's the only situation really in which you can't um, either substitute yes. him or remove the captaincy. Yeah. Correct. I think yeah. I, I actually really like both uh, the both of the thing where they don't award an assist where it's winning a penalty. I think it should be a separate category. I don't think it should ever be called an assist because it's not an assist. Same Agreed. as winning in a free kick, you're not assisting it. You're you've won. You know, it's a completely different statistical category. Um, oh, you might so have fallen I, over. You know. Yeah, I know, and or or dived or anything at all. I mean, it's nothing to do with the. You're not playing the ball to the person who's scoring it. You're unless you're the person who's putting the ball on the penalty spot and you're thinking that's assisting, I don't know. But um, no, I, I like that. I think the FPL should keep that for next year as well. Um, and, and I really, really do like the sticker twist um, element to the captaincy shout and to the selection shout because, it again, it really rewards players who are going to keep on playing it. Even though one thing that did pop into my mind, Kylie, as you were mentioning the thing with game week starting one on the same day, basically ending and finishing, ending and starting on the same day, is I can envision a lot of people in their work toilets, nipping into the cubicle, sitting down, doing their <laughs> substitutions and going, going AWOL for a half an hour. But um, Well, absolutely. Yeah. Like, if you look at this schedule, so um, we have Poland and Senegal at 4 p.m., I think it is, um, next Tuesday, and then at 7 p.m., it's Russia, Egypt. Now, this is, you know, our times, I think, but, um, yeah, it's it, there's a, essentially an hour between when the last round ends and the new round starts. So, And, of course, we'll, we'll, you'll be able to make your changes 
transfers before, so you don't have to do them on that day. You can do them beforehand, like we can in FBL, where we can do a transfer on the Saturday at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Brilliant synopsis there, Kylie. Thanks a million. Um, we'll actually move on because, as you mentioned there, there is a lot of there's similar chips to what we have in FPL. The maximum captain one, um, one thing to be wary of that is um, my, my eldest son, who's um, a bit of a fantasy guru, I like to call him. But he's um, he made a little mistake when he was setting up his lineup. He actually clicked the button to see what the options were and he accidentally confirmed it. And there's no way to unconfirm that afterwards. So um, so be careful of pressing any of them buttons and kind of because they're not undoable. Um, but so to be aware of that. But I guess it's more when this is a shorter tournament than our usual FPL season. So patience is less of a virtue in this. But um, Kylie, what do you think in terms of the bench boost, um, the bench boost in particular, and also the wild card? What rounds do you envision using them in? In this case, which is so different to uh, FPL, where we're used to hoarding these chips, or certainly I'm someone who has always hoarded the chips until the end of the season and used them on double game weeks. My view on this is that I really do think that using them early is beneficial. So with the wild card, for example, if we look at the fixtures, there's some teams that have on paper, a really great fixture for the first round. So unfortunately, France, because they are playing Australia, um, will skate over that. Belgium, England, there's a number of them that have really good fixtures. And so it makes sense to load up on those. While there's other teams like Spain and Portugal who we would want in our teams, but the first fixture is not looking so great. And so there is a bit of a fixture swing there. I think that there is a case to play an early wildcard to set up your team for the first round and then change it in either the second or third round, probably the second round for me, to maximize the change in fixtures. You've also had a bit of a, a sneaky look at who the preferred people are in the lineup, so it gives you a sense of, of what to do. Because the thing is, with the wildcard, you're going from, you know, there's this huge number of, of different teams, but then you get to the round of 16 and you've effectively got a wild card anyway. And then from then on, you have loads of free transfers. So I feel like you'll actually get more out of it early. Likewise, with the bench boost in particular, I do think that it will become harder to have a full playing bench the further we go during the World Cup because we would anticipate that we would have more expensive players. And so we might not be able to have an entirely playing bench uh, further down the track. So I think there's a case for using both in the group stages, which seems very aggressive. Mars, I know you're having a bit of a love-hate relationship at the moment with the um, with the FIFA game. What's your thinking on when people maybe should look to playing that bench boost and the wildcard chips? No, I completely agree. But I would play both in the in the first rounds. Um, first of all, the games are, are more open. You get a lot more goals because there's the weaker teams, you know, in in the group stages. Um, <clears throat> I think as we, as we go further in the World Cup, it gets a little bit tighter and the goals dry up. Uh, but also, you know, the fact that you can have a playing bench. Um, 
the fact that you can have yeah cheaper players. No, I completely agree. I think the one question that I've seen being asked on Twitter and I haven't seen and I wonder if we know, can you play bench boost and wildcard in the same week? Because I don't think it states it in the rules when I looked and I've seen the question. Um, right. I know it, in FPL we can't. It doesn't explicitly say it and I've actually seen people tweeting FIFA. FIFA. Um, yeah, trying to find the answer to that. Uh, and to get a message going, sorry guys, we're a little busy at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> if they got a message back, they'd be lucky, I would say. Yeah, they'll have to have to pay hand over a couple of brown envelopes in order to get an answer from FIFA. I reckon. <laughs> I guess we'll we'll figure out when we'll, we'll figure out when we're playing. It's quite you know based on point system, the chips, all that stuff. It's so similar that. I have to think that there's some common owner there or some common developer there that probably has, um, yeah. you know, it, I, I would imagine that they've ruled that out. They just haven't expressly put it in the rules huh? in error. So I get, yeah. So the, the, the other scenario is if you want to wait until the, the last 16 and pick, pick your, you know, use your wildcard to pick the big players, but I believe you get free transfers. Um, three for the quarters through five for semis and five for the finals. Um, it's unlimited after the group round going into the round of 16. So it's essentially a free wild card at that stage. Oh, and that's okay. when your budget so, increases. Then the fact that you have those, you know, if you think about it, those free transfers, um, I think, yeah, you, you should use your wild cards early. And yes, I am having a love hate relationship with the, with the system. And at the moment I'm, um, at the moment, I don't have a team, Don, but I have looked yeah, at the stats. I know. <laughs> I think, Mars, that's the that's the men in white coat coming for you there, Mars. I can hear them in the background. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, the, but but you know, I, I still look I still looked at it, and I'll be the, I'll be doing a lot of uh, eye testing because I'll be watching the World Cup, and I'm involved in a lot of games that we'll talk about later. And I might decide between now and Thursday to make up with FIFA and just do a team if they let me. <laughs> I, I think you probably will, Mars, and I think if, if enough people on Twitter reach out and tell you, Mars, you better pick a team, then I think you probably will pick a team. If enough of our listeners I'll, come I'll into do, you. I'm going to do, do a Denmark in 1992. Not allowed. Just arrive in the last win, minute. Win it. Arrive and win it all. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you doing it too. So we've covered off, I think, all the tactics and the rules and um, and different the different um personality tweaks, I guess, of um, of this game. So we'll move on to the section where we're going to be actually looking through the groups. Now, we're not going to spend a huge amount of time looking at teams that are are not, in our opinion, fantasy relevant. So we want to, but we do want to touch on, there is going to be some hidden gems and some um, must-have picks. So Mara's going to come to you first on Group A. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got the hosts um, kicking us off against Saudi Arabia on Thursday. And then uh, to complete the group, we've got Uruguay and Egypt. And I think um, Kylie touched on it. Uruguay, uh, for me, are strong, strong contenders to to get to the last eight, if not four. So for me, this is one of the easiest groups that they could have had. Um, The way I see it is I see Uruguay finishing top, Saudi Arabia finishing fourth. Second and third is a really tough one. For me, Egypt is all about if Salah's fully fit or not. If he's fully fit and firing, I see Egypt finishing second. The problem is if he's not. And I'm, I'm seeing the pictures of him now walking around. He just does not look comfortable. I think he's going to force himself. And as a Liverpool fan, I'm a, bit, I'm a little bit worried. I understand why it's his dream 
to play for his country in the World Cup. I just hope he's fully fit. Now, if he's not for the first game or the second game, whatever, I Russia with the we've seen it before, right? Some home countries that might not be that strong. I think, like you know, you'd say South Africa, uh, U- U- Ukraine, Poland before, you know, in, in the Euros. There, there's been times Bolivia. I think Bolivia made it when the, when they hosted the World Cup. I believe sometimes the host country, the, the fans and everything, and and as the organizers, you know, you want it, you want the host country to go through. So I could see Russia. Uh, finishing second if if Salah is not fit because unfortunately just Egypt don't have another world class player you know any team will miss m- miss a Salah so now obviously you know there's no secrets in in um, hot picks I think we've had it on the amigos Cavani for me one of the best players him and Suarez together so those those are two players but they're quite they're quite expensive now if you look, you know Uruguay finished second behind Brazil in in the qualification. Um, and they had eight clean sheets out of 18. Or six six of those were at home. So if you look at their defence, Godin, obviously, and Jimenez, I think two of them are great. I mean, Godin, he's been around for ages. I've, I feel old now when, when he retires, just like now Gerard and Lampard are managers when I used to watch them when I was a kid. Um, so then you've got... The, uh, if, if you don't want... If you don't want their defenders, you can go with their goalkeeper, Muslera. Now I'm going to say I'm going to announce a lot of pronounce a lot of those wrong so please forgive me um so <laughs> if you think about the hit so you know i, I wouldn't say Gooden is a, is a hidden gem again he's he for me is a hot pick and actually when i was doing my drafts he would he would be in it i just love him as a defender but if you look at their midfield which i think is actually their weakest area in the team got carlos sanchez who had eight assists in the qualifiers um, and they're not easy qualifiers, you know. When you when you finish when when you look at the team they played, and then there's this young kid Valver, Valverde. Um, <clears throat> he started the last three qualifiers. He's got one goal in four, but he got the silver ball in the Under Twenty World Cup in 2017. My research led me to that, by the way, Don. Um, I'm I'm mind mind is blown here, Mars. Yeah, this yeah. this this is all my work. <laughs> so this you know okay so. Uh, Silver ball in the in the under twenty, you know, is it, not. So if we're talking about hidden gems, now he could be. Now we said about teams like Uruguay, like Serbia, where they might not be. I mean, Sebastian Cuartes plays for Uruguay. We know him from Liverpool. He wasn't that great, but when you see him playing for his country, he's like Maldini. So these guys just step up to to the extra level. They all play together. Like you said, they got. They know that their country relies on them. The, the whole country is behind them. And you know what? There's always a surprise. So why why couldn't it be this kid? I'm not saying he will be, but those are the players for me that, that stand out from Uruguay. If we quickly cover um, the host now, um, who, who might finish second, um, obviously they didn't have a qualifying campaign and they've not been great even. In, so they've won twice last year. They beat New Zealand and South Korea, but they did draw 3-3 with Spain. Now, I don't know how strong the Spain team was. I couldn't find that out. Um, they've got a lot of injuries in defence that me and you could, um, if we change nationalities, they've got a 38-year-old um, playing. Oh, they called him back. He's come out for, from retirement. Igna Jific. I dream of that. I dream of uh, <laughs> of Ireland getting so desperate at centre-half that they actually have to call me in. <laughs> you, you, well, hey, Cahill's still playing. <laughs> listen, is, listen really. actually, I've, see, I've seen it on Twitter where there's some uh, guys, and I think they are the Saudis or Egyptians, messaging, no, messaging Russian girls, 
trying to get, and I think it's a joke, but the joke is they're trying to get citizenship to get into Russia to get to watch the World Cup. So, you know, like we could become Russian and then just turn up. You know, we might might have a chance. Um, <laughs> but listen, we don't know much about the Russian team. But I, there's there's some when I when I did my research on uh, some players came out. There's a guy called Zagiov, D Z A G of. So this guy apparently was in 2012 <laughs> out of nowhere. I love how you spell your pronunciation. Gene <laughs> Zagiov. Zagiov. Zagorev, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this guy scored three goals in Euro 2012 out of nowhere. So if you, if, you know, but he hasn't scored a goal since 2015. But you never know. Um, no, no, no. Seriously, joking aside. <laughs> joking aside. One of the kids that when I was reading about Russia, one of the kids, uh, there's twins, uh, Alexei Miranchuk. Do not pick up his brother because his brother's rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy actually scored three goals against Belgium, South Korea and Spain. He's young, he's 22. So for me, he's definitely one of those hidden gems. And you'll see them, you'll see him on on the Amigos uh, Twitter if if you didn't catch the name because uh, he is the playmaker for Russia. And he will will be, uh, if Russia do well, he needs to to be the one that take him in the midfield. A lot of responsibility on a 22-year-old, but what a chance. And then you've got their strikers, I think, Semelov, um, who's six in 47, and he's responsible for set pieces and penalties. Now, l- l- listen, um, we talked about Egypt. Salah for me, 33 in 57 international games, 33 goals. I mean, there's no hidden gem there. It's not, it's not even a hot pick. You, he's, he's a must-have if he's fully fit. Apart from that, maybe Higazi if you, uh, when they play in Saudi Arabia, um, talking about the subs if you want a cheap defender. And now, here's a stat for you. Did you know that Mohamed Al-Shalawi from Saudi Arabia was the equal leading goal scorer, 16 in 10 in the qualifiers? And on that, I dropped my mic. <laughs> Brilliant stuff, Mersey. Um, now we'll move on to Group B, and I'm going to cover this one off myself. Um, I'm pretty, I'm largely avoiding this one in um, in the first round as I think Morocco and Iran are better defensively than I think most people are giving them credit for. Um, Spain and Portugal, I do expect to be the top two at the end of it, but um, World Cup group stages can be tight at times where um, goals are a bit of a premium. So I wouldn't be surprised if Morocco and Iran do provide a few defensive points for managers. Um, I guess come to first is um, Spain. Um, Spain, I do think, are the pick of the group, and they're probably in my top three for the tournament all to, all over. But um, since their defeat at the hands of Italy in the the final of Euro 2016, the Spaniards have won 13 of their last 19, and they've an excellent blend of youth and experience. Um, I think that probably when I'm looking at it from a fantasy perspective, it is the midfielders that I'm looking at. Their defenders are pricey and there is, of course, like good quality there. Jordi Alba, Aspilicueta, even Ramos in terms of scoring from set pieces. But for me, the midfielders are where the options are for Spain. Um, Isco at 8.5 and one that I'm actually really kind of keeping an eye on is Asensio at 6 million. I think he has so much quality that if he actually came on, in, even if he comes off the bench in the first game, um, I think he could be one that could build during the tournament and actually get more and more playing time. Um, midfield is a bit of an area in this um, in the fantasy game this year where they seem to have put an awful lot of players who we would regard as midfielders in the forward ranks. 
So um, I think Asensio is. I one think it's quite I interesting. Definitely keep an eye on. I think on. it's quite interesting. I think it's quite interesting, and I wonder if FPL will take a leaf out of that book, and you know, the attacking midfielders start becoming forwards. It does a lot. It does add more um, variation, I guess, because people have then they don't all have the same two or three forwards that are basically in everyone's team. But um, but it, it is a bit frustrating when you're trying to make a lineup and you just can't bring in that budget third forward because you know there are so many different options. You don't want to leave yourself, you leave yourself um, uncovered. But um, no, I definitely think um, Asensio. What do you think of that, Mars? Six million, like he's basically right down there. He's a million cheaper, for instance, than Fellaini. And I know Fellaini will probably get more playing time with Belgium, but. Um, for me, Asensio is a real option, and Isco too at eight point five. Did you just did you just did you just, com- did you just compla- compare any player to Fellaini? Yeah, no, yeah. What Were I'm you even considering having Fellaini in, in your ter- team in terms of value? Yeah, no, I did. But Fellaini, I wouldn't be surprised at all. World Cups, like Fellaini, is made for that kind of thing. Fellaini comes on, he could score. If he could, if he plays in them, he could score. He's playing against lower lower quality opposition, like. Um, maybe, I, like, maybe. I just think Belgium have a lot of other options than But yeah, no, I see what you mean. But Fellaini I, I, does I, I, get, I like he does, he is highly rated. Yeah, he is highly related though with, um, with, with Belgium. Um, Fellaini does play a lot of minutes for Belgium. Um, so I think we do have our, our Premier League bias towards him and stuff, but, um, he's no doubt he's very effective. Um, but we'll, oh, I'm glad somebody it. with my name is going to be at the World Cup. That's all good. I'm happy with that. <laughs> yeah, is is he Marwan as well? I thought he was. I thought it was a Marawan. Is it not slightly different than your? It's the same. No, Marwan? it's the same. It's just the the way they the the way they spelt it is different, but it's the same. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, that's your claim to fame, Mars. He's not nearly as cool as our Mars anyway. But um, we'll move on to the two. Actually, I wanted to talk about Morocco and Iran briefly. I guess Morocco, they, they're a very solid defence in the group in the qualifier stages. They didn't actually concede during the qualifying in a group with Ivory Coast. So they're only, um, it was only in the pre-qualifier that they actually conceded. So they're, they, they obviously have a lot going on in defence. They're well organised. Would you say that, would you say they are the Burnley of the? I think they're definitely the Burnley. They're not likely to score too much. But um, they're going to be solid at the back. <laughs> um, the uh, Nabil, actually, one player from them that um, he's playing for Felabachi and he's kind of their key player is Nabil, Nabil Dijar. I'm saying that completely wrong there, Mar, so you can laugh at my pronunciation. But um, he's at five million. He's not a bad option as a budget defender if you did want to kind of get in on, on their defence. He actually scored four goals and provided eight assists in the Turkish league last year. So um, he obviously has a bit about him going forward as well. Um, moving on to Iran, who I think will round out the group. They're good defensively, but I think they'll end up being the fourth position team in this in this group. Um, they're managed by former manager of Man United, or number two of Man United, which is Carlos Quiros. And so they should be well organized. But um, but I think that I pretty much will be avoiding all of the Iranian players, to be quite honest with you. Moving on to Group C. Kylie, you're going to look after this one first. That's right. So Group C is France, Peru, Denmark and Australia, the Socceroos. So starting with France, obviously they're the top seed in the group and we would expect them to escape comfortably. They should, based on the quality of their team, be a top pick to win the World Cup. But I just feel like they might underwhelm a bit. Um, I think that they'll comfortably get out of their group and they should progress relatively far. I mean, their squad is is pretty ridiculous. The amount of talented players that didn't even make the squad, 
is insane. They have a really uh, strong attack force. They have Griezmann. They've obviously got Giroud, and we know how I feel about that. He did appear to get an injury the other day, but I understand he is fully fit and ready to go. So everyone everywhere be excited. Um, yeah, I think I think that we'll see them do really well. I mean, one of the interesting things is that for qualifying, they actually didn't score that many goals compared to a lot of the other teams. So it'll be interesting to see how they link up. Um, they didn't do that well in their friendly only yesterday, I think it was, against the US. But I think that they have more than enough to be very comfortable in this group. Though I wouldn't be surprised to see one of the other teams take some points out of them in, in this group. Um, the next ones are Peru and both Mars and I touched on Peru earlier, and actually I completely agree with Mars in, in terms of the reference to Costa Rica from the last World Cup. I really think that they could could do that. You know, they I think that they could escape the group stage. It's, it's not guaranteed. It's a little bit tricky, but they have their top all-time top scorer, Guerrero, back uh, from his 14-month doping ban due to suspicious substances in his tea, I believe. But having him back will be really important to lift the team. Despite missing the international games due to his ban, he still scored five goals and three assists in qualification. And he's only 7.5 as a forward. So he will be a key person in that attack. And I think that at that price, he could be a really valuable buy. There's a few other picks there. We referenced Flores in our Hidden Gems. And while he's not guaranteed starts, he did do very well in qualification. He scored five goals. He's 6.5. Now, it's very debatable as to whether you want to go and take that risk in a valuable forward position, given what we've said about how classification has pushed a lot of midfielders into forward roles. But it's there as an option anyway, in case he does get minutes. One that is also interesting, I think, is Quaver at $6 million. So he's a midfielder, could be a good value pick. Four goals, four assists in qualifying, and he takes corners as well. So there's a number of options there. Galese as well is 4.5. Uh, he's the keeper, so could be a good keeper option as well. I think they're an attacking team and I can see a number of goals being scored here, even though they didn't score any in their last friendly. I still think that they could could spring a surprise. And then next up is Denmark. Ericsson, the hero for many in FPL and villain in Ireland after his hat trick in playoffs crushed the hopes of a nation. <laughs> Um, he is 9 million and a midfielder in the game. In his last friendly, actually, he scored a goal and an assist. He does have a really strong international record. Obviously, he had another great season with Tottenham and he is the key man for Denmark. So there will be a lot on his shoulders. Um, in terms of their ability to get out of the group, they are able, and I, I do think it's between Peru and Denmark to get that second spot. Other key did you names. See, um, did you see the shirts that they're selling? 
Denmark no. tactics. Did you, did you pass? Did, get the ball, pass to Ericsson. Did he score? Yes. Did he not score? Go back and pass it back to Ericsson. It's quite funny. Even the says it all, really. I don't know, yeah, it does. I don't know. I don't know if they made it or somebody's making a joke out of them, but it's quite it's quite funny. And obviously, their hero is injured. The, the, main, right. the main man, Ventner. Yeah, so, the main man, you know, Ventner. Yeah, yeah. Lord, yeah. Lord Ventner. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Ventner. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did no, that for your man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be all on his shoulders now. And there are a couple of other names that people would recognise. Burnley's Goodmanson is in there. He was a little bit of a hero during the double game week for me. Um, and Schmeichel is there as well. So, you know, there, there's one more name who I'm loath to think of, and that is the troll Christensen from last season and many will not forget his 57-minute removal followed by his 58-minute removal followed by his 27-minute cameo in Chelsea's defence. That was very frustrating. But I'm not going to think about him anyway. Key thing here is if Ericsson does well, then Denmark could do quite well. They do have, it's not like they have a terrible team beyond Ericsson. So it, it will be interesting to see how they go. And and then we get to Australia and, you know, this is, mm. so those days, those glory days that I remember 2006 when Australia got to the World Cup and we had Viduka and Kuhl and Neil and vintage Cahill before he was 38 and, and kind of old. Um, he does make a decent 38 impact. Isn't, 38 isn't old, Kylie. 40 isn't old. <laughs> it's oh. old if you're a football player. Like, really. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's not like he's a keeper. You know, so <laughs> fair play he, to him. Yeah, fair play to him. He's just he's just determined to to stick it out. But um, the the reality is, I don't, we're just not going to replicate what we did then. And while this group is not quite as awful as the last one, I think they had Spain, Netherlands, and Chile last time at the World Cup, and that's just horrific. But it's still a difficult group, and unfortunately, I just don't think that they have the quality that they need. And and also, there's a challenge in that after they qualified, the manager left. So he got them through qualification and then left, and then now they have a replacement, and they just haven't had enough time to gel. I really would like to see them... Spring a surprise, but I'm I'm if I know I sound really negative, but I'm just don't want to get my hopes up. Um, in terms of the players here, you know there are a few familiar ones. Jedanak, obviously he's the captain, and um, Aaron Moy, Matt Ryan is the keeper, and actually. I know the fixtures aren't ideal in terms of clean sheets, but he's good with saves and at 4.5, he could be a good backup keeper in the game. I wouldn't advocate for going for any other players for Australia. The defence is subject to rotation. I think they will struggle with the attacking nature of, of the likes of France and Peru in particular. And um, yeah, so I... I'm hopeful that they will surprise me, but I do think it'll be France and one of Peru or Denmark who get through. 
I feel like um, singing you Advanced Australia Fair, um, just to really pep, <laughs> put a pep in your step. But um, I don't know what will help you or make you feel sadder. <laughs> if I, if I yeah, I'm not sure. On the podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, great synopsis there, Kylie. Um, we'll move on quickly to Group D. And um, I'm going to look after this one. And of course, that one is all about Argentina, Messi, Mr. Messi and his friends. Um, it looks like an inviting group for those um, seeking attacking points. Um, Argentina, their usual array of attacking stars, but after they got a trouncing at the hands of Spain earlier this year, I think it was like 7-1 or 6-1 or something like that, and they're on their third coach in the last 12 months. So um, it could be a less than um, less than vintage Argentinian squad that we'll see coming. And I know that there was one of the memes, one of the funny memes I saw a few weeks ago was about Argentina and they were all looking around their squad going, yeah, we've got a great team, we've got a great team. And then they look back at their goalkeeper and see Johnny No Name or something um, in goal for them. Because um, they, they really, I think that they could be quite leaky at the back. And whilst this group isn't anything that's going to really terrify them in terms of attacking players, I think when they do advance in the in the tournament, it could come back to haunt them a little bit. Um, I personally, as I was looking at the Argentinian players, you have your usuals. Um, and of course, Messi is um, on the top ranked um, and the top prize players in the game. Personally, um, similarly to how I was looking at the Spanish midfielders, I would love to have if Dybala was a midfield option. It would be kind of interesting. He's like 8 million, but his inclusion as a forward basically rules him out as well. Um, now, he is that's more of a fair um, ranking of positionally because he does play more as a forward than an attacking midfielder. But Higuain at 9 million is one that I would be kind of keeping my eye on because I think he is an absolute quality, underrated player um, who I who I think will only really be appreciated when he's probably finished up in his career. But um, next up is Iceland, of course, the, the surprises from, from the last tournament in 2016. They have defensive possibilities. They only conceded seven goals in the qualifying stage. But Siggy, of course, is a name that FBL fans will look to first. He's not a bad shout for set pieces, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did score at some point. But um, there are, in my opinion, better kind of eight mil options out there. And he is one of those players that probably I prefer to have somebody when I, because I don't believe they're going to advance. Um, he would be, he would be one that I probably would avoid. Um, Croatia then, I did mention at the start of the program, I am a fan of them. They're kind of one of them teams that like, that Belgium look like they've nearly inherited the Croatia mantle of coming into tournaments with everyone kind of fancying them and them just never really delivering on it. Um, but with Modric, Mandzukic, Perisic, Rakitic, they are ma- match winners for, um, for, for any team. So um, it's, you know, it's possible. Modric at 9 million is in my team at the moment, and um, I'm very, very happy to have him there. Um, Nigeria then is next up, um, and they have Inacio and Wolby Moses, who, of course, all three, which um, Premier League fans will know of. But um, they're all capable of good things. But personally, it's kind of hard to see Nigeria... um, progressing in the group now that's not to say that there isn't going to be value to value to be had with them but personally I don't know enough about a lot of their players to kind of take a punt on putting them into my week one team I'm going to kind of keep them on my watch list and um, see how I go then later on in the later on in the tournament um next up then is group E so um the 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 group with Brazil of course in it 
Um, in my opinion, the best team in the tournament. They they stormed away with their qualifying campaign. And of course, they had their usual quality all over the pitch. Um, I think they're, they should be the, the rightfully the, the favourites for the tournament. Neymar is pricey, but of the premium forwards, I probably would rate him at the number one um, option between like uh, Ronaldo and Messi. I like the Brazilian team so much, and I think Neymar is the, ma- the main man that they all want to get the ball to. Uh, for that reason, I'm probably moving down my my lovely uh, Bobby Firmino down the rankings. He is only eight and a half million, but I think that Jesus and Neymar will kind of dominate the the goal opportunities. So um, I'm probably going to put um, Firmino down down on my list of targets. Coutinho then is looking at nine million. He's obviously he's great value. He's uh, in a comp- competitive kind of group of nine million midfielders. But um, I think that he will actually come up with a goal and a few assists in the group stages. So I'm definitely considering him getting him in and forgiving him for his Barcelona betrayal of us. Um, next up then is Switzerland, who um, we were identifying in our group chat, I think, as being the Stoke City of the of the World Cup. They, um, they, they're definitely over-reliant on, um, on Shaqiri in particular. Um, but And Berami, who's been around for donkey's years. But... Um, they had a good qualifying tournament, qualifying um, for the World Cup, but I think that they will come unstuck in the tournament, especially when they come up against um, against Brazil. Um, after that, then we have Serbia, who of course are Mars's favourite. Um, they're one of his dark horses. Um, I am personally not a big fan of them. I think that they're an aging team, and I don't think that they have the kind of quality to. Um, I think Switzerland will probably dominate them as well. Um, I guess Shakiri, similarly to Siggy, he's somebody who from set pieces is always an option and somebody that people will probably pick. Um, but I'm just kind of staying away from anyone other than really Brazil in this group. Um, Costa Rica then rounded out. Um, I don't really think that they're going to be somebody that's going to dominate in, in Russia. I think that they, I think that they are another one of these teams just to avoid. Okay, Mars, you're next up with Group F. Tell us, wow us with your stats and your preview. Yeah, so the uh, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. Uh, yeah, I think Germany will walk that group. Personally, I think they will be as boring as ever, as efficient as ever, and they just, if you can't fit Sané in that team, then um, I'm struggling to think how good their, their forwards or wings are, uh, wing, um, you know, the wingers are. So, I mean, <clears throat> from, listen, you could pick anybody from Germany and there'll be a, a, a hot pick. I mean, Ozil always seems to stand out with his country. He just does this even extra special Ozil. But for me, Timo Werner, uh, um, you know, uh, the guy is just, he scores. Every time I see him, he's, he's scoring. He could, for me, he's, he's, he's a contender for the, for the golden boot alongside the, the, the usual contenders. So he, he, for me, would be like a forward I would, I would look at if you want to be different. Because I, I can see a lot of people going Cavani or Suarez or Salah or Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo. Werner would be some, so, uh, somebody different. Um, not much I'm going to talk, not, not much else I'm saying about Germany. They're just a strong, efficient engine that I would expect to get to the last four minimum. Um, so the, in that group, I would see, I, I, I really fancy Mexico. I, I I've always liked Mexico from uh, campuses, Jorge Campos days. You know the the funky keeper with the with the weird uh, tops. 
Um, and I think they have a good team to within that group to finish to finish second in that group. Um, couple of guys that obviously you've got Chicharito who's their, their main man up front but for me you've got uh, Leon who's uh, like you know de- dependable um, solid but then you've got Lozano who for me is like the, the hidden gem he scored 17 goals and 11 assists in 29 games in Holland I know it's the Dutch league but still um, so I think he's somebody different not many people might have them in, might have him in their team and if you want someone different for a bench boost or or for something you know for uh, as a backup He's not a bad choice. Um, it's a toss-up between Sweden and South Korea to who who will finish third or fourth. I don't really have much to say about either of them. I would avoid most of the most of those players. Great stuff, Marzi. Um, next up is Group G, and uh, Kylie will come back to you on this one. So, um, what's your thoughts on this group and the players we kind of keep an eye on? Okay, so we'll start with Belgium. So Belgium are an interesting one, right? They were the team with the joint top goals scored in qualifying, 43, I believe uh, it was Germany as well. But the defence during that time was less than reliable. So it does raise a few question marks. However, that being said, no goals conceded in their last four friendlies, I believe. So... It'll be interesting to see how that defence shakes out. Look, there's no denying the star quality in the Belgium side, and it's not even a question of that. The issue is really how they work together, and and it's something that they've struggled with in a large tournament. So a lot of people will be asking that question, will this be the year that they shine? And while I definitely expect them to comfortably proceed I think that they should go a lot further than they might, and maybe that is based on how they've done in previous recent tournaments. I think that if they are to do well, they they really do need to kind of, it needs to be less about ego. I mean, you were talking about this earlier, Don, about how some teams, smaller teams who aren't celebrated thrive at the World Cup, and we see it time and again, there's always at least one where it's just this collective drive and will and team morale and sense of nationalism that kind of gets them over the line. And that is the kind of thing that could potentially triumph over a team like Belgium if they're not consistent and careful. That being said, I do think that there are plenty of goals that they will score and there's plenty of options there. I think they will come first in their group comfortably. So... In terms of picks, these are all ones that we're familiar with, really. Hazard is 10 million, but he is classified as a forward. He's on penalties, six goals and five assists during qualification. So he's an interesting one there. He does have recent form. On the other hand, there is Lukaku, also at 10 million. While he's not on penalties, he scored 10 goals over qualification. So I guess you have a question there as to to who you prefer. Uh, KDB, also 10 million midfielder, wouldn't really consider him because he does play a bit deeper and he hasn't really been scoring. So I think if you're going to spend that money, you're going to spend it on either Hazard with the penalties and the recent form or Lukaku. 
the pick that I really like, and he's not cheap, but it's their defender, Munier. Well, he's classified as a defender in any case. He's six million, has incredible strong attacking returns from the qualifying. It was five goals and eight assists, which is a phenomenal amount for uh, someone who is playing in that role. So he's definitely someone that I am looking at in my team, particularly given the first two fixtures against Panama and Tunisia, where you would hope for clean sheets and potential attacking returns. He hasn't delivered anything additional in recent friendlies, but hopefully once the World Cup actually starts, those will start coming in. Next up, of course, is England. And I would be tipping them for a second in the group comfortably. We know all of these players, so there's not really a huge amount that we need to discuss. They have Kane, he's 10 million, and uh, Sterling is 9 million, classified as a forward. Ali's also 9 million. And so they have a host of attacking talent. The key question, I think, is not do they have goal scorers, but do they have enough in the middle, uh, in the midfield? And I'm not entirely sure that they do. So it will be interesting to see how that unfolds. Defence, however, they have actually been really strong in qualification. Eight clean sheets, only three goals conceded. And when you look at the likes of Trippier, who is 5.5, he looks fantastic value over Walker, who's a 6 million for me. With his assist potential, there's likely clean sheets in there. Trippier is someone I've always wanted to own at Tottenham, but the reality is that there's so much rotation there, you, you just can't choose him. Whereas if he really has that spot nailed in the England side, I mean, maybe he doesn't, but it looks like he does. I think that he is a great bargain, particularly for those first two matches. Next up is Panama and, oh, bless them. It's their World Cup debut. <laughs> they are rank outsiders to win. I believe the odds are 1,000 to 1, which is substantially... Worse than any other team. They qualified courtesy of a controversial ghost goal against Costa Rica to progress ahead of the US. And I think that they will be knocked out courtesy of many, many actual goals in this tournament. It's not a team to look at for fantasy, regardless of seemingly cheap options. I think you can find those budget options elsewhere. I think they are just really excited to actually be at the World Cup. And I don't think that they're a, a fantasy option. Moving so on to tell me, so tell me, Kylie, one thing like to just so bet people understand, like a thousand to one means that like if you put a tenner on um, at a thousand to one, you lose a tenner. Is that the way that works? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. That's perfect maths there. Yep. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, like the absolute insanity. I mean, crazy things, crazy things do happen. But Panama, I just don't think they're going to be the ones to do it. Um, Tunisia is the last team here. And again, not to the same extent, but we are not expecting big things from Tunisia. Their star player is out injured. So it's actually former Sunderland player, Kasri who will have to take up the reins here. Um, and I just, again, I think that there's budget options elsewhere. I mean, maybe you could have a look at them and see if there's some bench fillers, but I do think that there are other groups 
with other teams who have a bit more about them that I would be looking at more closely. Brilliant stuff. And um, you want to round us out now, Kylie, with the final group of the uh, of the group stages? That's right, Group H. And I think this is an exciting group. I think it's an open group. You know, I can see a number of goals here. There's a few teams that really have one kind of star player who um, could carry the mantle for them. But I, I think where we see with some of the other groups and there's there's a really clear standout and then a couple of, sorry to say, but duds, I don't think, I think this one is a little bit more even. So starting with Colombia, Colombia obviously did very well at the last World Cup and they are favoured to escape the group. James Rodriguez was the golden boot winner and the man of the hour. He'll be expected to deliver again and he's 9 million in midfield. So he could be a good buy in what I do think will be a fairly open group. Carlos Sanchez is a central defensive mid at 4.5 million who seems to be proving really popular. No attacking potential, but I think he's a, a bench filler that a lot of people are looking at. The other key person here I think is Aspina in goal at 5.5, that he could be an option there. And moving on to Poland, so Poland are the other team that are expected to, on paper, make it out of the group. Again, they will be quite reliant on their star player, Lewandowski. He's 9 million as well as a forward. And actually, there's quite a number of forwards in that price uh, price range, 9 million, who look quite interesting. Anyway, he scored a joint record 16 goals in qualifying which was very impressive and made it very easy for them to get through. I think he'll need to be on form to get them out of this group, despite what pundits are saying about them being one of the favourites to progress. Uh, there's a couple of interesting options in attack that people are looking at. So midfielder Groszycki. <laughs> 7.5. He has 12 goals and 17 assists in 56 caps. And Zielinski, who is 8 million, and he has six assists in qualifying. I think he might be a little bit steep in price given that, you know, at 8.5 you can get Isco from Spain. But there's a few options there. One of the issues, I guess, is that their defence has not been really that strong. They only kept three clean sheets in qualifying and they conceded two goals to the likes of Kazakhstan at home to Denmark and then um, to Montenegro and then conceded four away to Denmark. So not that encouraging. Moving on, the one that I'm excited about in this group is Senegal. So as I said, everyone's looking at Colombia and Poland, but I think that Senegal could spring a surprise. I have a soft spot for them after their 2002 heroics. They got to the quarterfinals. It was their debut cup appearance. And I remember I was barely in high school at the time. And it was the first time that I got into the World Cup. It's still really big in Australia, um, even then when Australia wasn't qualifying. And they were these underdogs that did really, really well. So I'm excited for them to be back. And... I think Sadio Mane, he will be really key for them. They do have, you know, a respectably strong team, 
And there are a few well-known names there, Kuyate. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they progress. Yeah, and then, the, um, I, th- I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're turning into a Liverpool fan as well, um, Kylie, with your man I love in. We, we, me oh. and Mars have this effect on the podcast. But go on ahead, sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to say my two favourite players are Son from Spurs and Mane from uh, Liverpool. They're my lucky players. They always score when I have them. So I call them my little love bugs. And they're so smiley, so <laughs> I can't help it. So he has my undying support anyway. Um, Japan is our last team. And Japan, I would... I'm looking at for fourth in this group. But that being said, they're, they're actually, as compared to other Asian teams, that they are the most successful, if not one of the most successful teams. They've qualified consistently for the last six World Cups and they have twice progressed to the knockout rounds. So they do have a number of experienced players in there. Obviously, we know Yoshida. He's in defense, and I think he could have a tough time because I do think there's goals in this group. There's also Shinji Kagawa and Honda. Now, these are two of their key attacking players, neither of whom are on good recent form. So I think that they could struggle a little bit to get some goals. But they could be a source of some cheap bench players for you if that's what you're looking for. Another issue for them not totally dissimilar to Australia, but it's just the recency. Uh, their manager left and was replaced only a couple of months ago, so that's really trying so close to the tournament. Cohesiveness could be a real problem there. And that's it. Brilliant stuff, Kylie. I think we've covered off all of the groups um, pretty well. I think uh, I think all of our listeners will be fairly well um, up to date on the different uh, on the different groups and how they got on in the qualifiers. I know it's one thing that's kind of hard to research, but um, there, we got a ton of listener questions in, and we are running very late, so I'm going to run through these very quickly. Um, the who got the assist boys were on asking, will I surprise everyone and win the World Cup League? And my answer <laughs> to that is 100% yes. <laughs> um, John, John G. Grifters United was asking about stats, whether it was possibly a stats on whether wild, wild World Cup assists are usually more from set pieces or from through balls or crosses. Um, I don't have any stats on that, John, but um, I would be imagining that there would be a fair, a fair amount of set pieces. But um, do, do either of you have a kind of inkling, quickly, a one word answer on whether you think which one do you think is more prevalent? No, as in, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess set pieces. Yeah, so you have two, two guests that set pieces, John, to go along with your guess. So if we, if we match up, it's perfect. Um, the, he was also asking about a similar, because it's a similar format to the Champions League game, he's talking about what spread of funds worked most successfully there. Um, his one did pretty poorly, and he's wondering about whether balance is efficient enough. Um, Dale will be our kind of Champions League fantasy expert. I personally don't really play it too much, although I'm planning on giving it a good go next year. Um, but looking at it where the value is at the moment, I think that in forwards and defence is where the value is. Midfield, there doesn't seem to be a massive amount of value in midfield, which is why I'm actually depending, thinking of going with a 5-2-3 formation, which I'd never consider in, um, in FPL. But move on to the next one, and this is going to be um, Rupert Kim was asking about the official Fantasy World Cup game, and yes, there is. 
Um, Kylie, you might have you got the link there handy that we might be able to give our listeners the link so that they can join our our official league. Oh, the code. Yes, please. Um, so it's V H Y A F for Freddie C eight T. I love how F how Freddie got his own description on. <laughs> I feel you can also you can also find all the links all the links on our uh, three amigos um, timeline. Yeah, and we will post links. We're we're currently updating our blog, so um, hopefully we'll be able to put in our posts. I'm planning on getting at that tomorrow, so um, I'm going to put in the links for all of our games in in a post, um, and we'll retweet that. So just keep an eye and follow, of course, the Amigos account at Three Amigos, at Three Amigos FPL on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you'll catch us there, and indeed Facebook. How much family time on average will be taking up by this um, frivolous sporting event? So, Mars, you can come and answer this one first because me and you were the ones with with kids at this point. Oh so, yeah, um, my 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 girls are all dressed up and ready for the World Cup. So, it's uh, family time equals World Cup times. We're all going to be watching it together. So you're, combi- you're combining. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Oh I, yes. They're getting their first World Cup and getting excellent. them all involved in the stickers. Not for me, honestly. Not for me. The stickers are for them. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah get excited yeah and we got a couple of questions from david geckel and um, one from mr walker porter as well in terms of enablers that's what everyone is kind of looking for so um hopefully we covered off your questions earlier on there folks and that's all the time for the listener questions but mars you wanted to give the listeners the update on the different competitions we're running for this world cup so you give them a quick update yeah, we already mentioned the league, so you've got the link. And uh, obviously, we're doing a bracket challenge, which is where you predict the top four. You kind of have a flavor of what we think will be the top four in each group. And then going all the way to the final, you get points. It's all on, on the FIFA website. And uh, the code is um, 711F for Freddy, D for Delta, uh, 370. Again, you'll find it on the timeline. And also, we're doing something new, uh, fun, different, doing a sweepstake. Uh, we haven't decided fully how yet, but you know, obviously the the <clears throat> doting team gets everything. But uh, we've been uh, instructed uh, by the boss's boss to give something to the team that loses. The first team that automat that goes out of the tournament will also get a prize. So you know, if you pick up a, a Panama or a, or a Japan and they're the first team out, then you could still get something. Um, so at the moment, we we're just gauging in- interest on uh, Twitter. We've got about. 10, 12 people interested. Obviously, there's 32. So um, check out on Twitter. And if you're interested, drop us a note, any of us, and then you'll be in, and then we'll do the sweepstakes somehow. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Marzi. Yeah, the boss's boss is, of course, my wife. But um, do get in touch with that because, um, like I said, the places are limited, so I can see it kind of filling up fairly snappy. But if you'd like to do it, give us a shout. Um, that's all we got time for in tonight's podcast. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure as always talking to my buddy Marzi and my buddy Kylie. Um, thanks a million for all the info, guys, and hopefully our listeners enjoy the show. Thanks a million for listening, sharing and liking the podcast, and um, we wish you the best of luck in the World Cup Fantasy Games. Booyah! One for each other and all for one The three brave amigos are we